Hello and welcome to the Pat and the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line, and great to have him back, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Going well, mate. Um, yeah, look, pretty surprised to get the call to come back, to be honest. I um, You fear the bead? I, that, 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 that's his, uh, his catchphrase he likes to go with. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, had a, I did listen in, and um, yeah, it was a really polished performance, and um, yeah, great insight uh, from the bead, and I, I hear... Um, Ratings may have um, been record numbers as well, so yeah, quite surprised that I, I got the call back in. To be honest, so um, I'll, I'll try and keep up the standard that's um, clearly been set. Oh no, he was outstanding, which was to be expected. Just a polished, meaty performance. He's got the mic on mic podcast, of course, Caddy, which is a ratings winner. So it was, it was always going to come in and uh, fill your shoes, ably. But uh, obviously, you're a fan favourite, mate, and good to have you back. What, what did you actually get up to last week uh, while you're away? Well, we had a bit going on, so um, it was obviously the first week here in Melbourne where we could go out and do do something. So we went down at Inverloch um, to our caravan, and it was my daughter's birthday on Sunday. So yeah, just a bit going on. I also um, had the misfortune or the unfortune of my of a palm tree falling down in my uh, front yard on, Did see that photo, on Friday, and the car landing underneath it. So how is the chariot? Uh, how is it? Uh, got got uh, sent to God and been written off. So we've. Uh, We'll have a new vehicle uh, coming this week, hopefully. So, yeah, a bit of a fresh start, which will be nice. Well, very good, mate. At least you get a, a brand new car out of it, I suppose. Hopefully, the excess uh, wasn't wasn't too much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's now now basically two and a half weeks into the season, and it's starting to sort itself out a little bit, I suppose. So, we just thought we'd chat about four teams that had had a bit of an interesting start to the season. We'll do two from each conference just to uh, to make it a bit even. And we'll, we'll start in the West, Caddy, and we'll start with the New Orleans Pelicans who have started one and nine. Obviously, the big story so far is that Zion Williamson still hasn't taken the court. We we got the uh, the update at, uh, at their first media availability that he was going to, they said, miss potentially miss the start of the, or he'd had surgery in the off-season, but he was still a chance to to start the season, well, obviously that hasn't happened as yet and, and the latest reports were he was probably still a couple of weeks away and th- there's also the vision and, and the photos of going around at the moment suggesting he's probably not in the in the uh, greatest shape of all time. So they had a strange off-season, didn't they, Caddy? It was probably universally agreed that they had a poor off-season. You know, they decided to go with Devontae Graham and Thomas Sadoransky in the backcourt instead of re-signing Lonzo Ball, which is so far... I guess you could only say proved to be an epic fail because, you know, Sadoransky, surprisingly, has hardly been in the rotation. He's sort of come back into it a little bit of late, but he's had a couple of do-not-play coaches' decisions and hasn't been getting a lot of minutes. And, you know, we've seen uh, Devontae Graham struggling to shoot the ball as well. So it's becoming pretty interesting this season uh, after a 1-9 start. It's a long way back towards, you know, pushing for that playoff berth that they're no doubt looking for or even that playing tournament spot there. How do you see the season going now, Caddy? Is, is there any hope for the season to get back back on track, or do you think they're pretty much cooked at the moment? No, I think they're cooked, and I, I wasn't really optimistic um, going into the season with this lineup. I didn't, I didn't love what they did clearly in the off season, and um, you know they just tend to take shortcuts. I think when they you know are looking to build around some of these stars, they did it with Anthony Davis. They've done it again now. They're trying to build around Zion Williamson, bringing in more veteran type players rather than kind of building within and, and uh, trying to get the, the core or the foundation of the, the roster right. So, yeah, clearly Williamson not being a part of the, the team so far is is, is is not ideal. And I, I don't think he'd be filled with a whole heap of confidence when you see even sitting on the bench and some of the warm-up 
shots that, that they've been uh, flying around a little bit of, of the size uh, that he's clearly in at the moment. And it, it's just hard to see with a guy that's coming off a broken foot um, to be carrying so much weight and then expecting him to not come o- in. Not and, ideal to be carrying extra weight when you're coming off a foot injury, is it? No, well, I'm coming off a broken leg and I'm carrying plenty of extra weight. Just mind <laughs> I reckon you're in better nick than Zion at the minute. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought so. But yeah, even that was a, a bloody big challenge. So I don't know how he's going to be expected to come in and, and dominate games and um, at, at any stage, really. It's clearly this side of Christmas or early into the new year. So it's going to be a longer burn there for, for Williamson to, to get back and firing. And then it's just been compounded, clearly, with Brandon Ingram missing. And it's been the last four games um, as well. So... Their best two players not available. Uh, you mentioned Devonte Graham's had some, you know, issues shooting the ball. He is generally, you know, getting plenty of opportunities, plenty of opportunities out there. But um, yeah, him, Jonas Valanciunas are probably the two veterans now on the team. The, the one positive I think's probably been Mikhail Alexander Walker. They're really putting some minutes into him. Again, the shooting percentage is really terrible at thirty four percent on the season so far. Just from the field, um, you can't sort of be keeping that type of trend. But at least they're putting some minutes into him at, at the moment. So, but now, look, I, I think this, was, this wasn't this was going to be a playoff team for mine heading into the season. And, and at the moment, it's going to look like a, you know, a real bottom lottery team. And they really, looking at it now uh, and how far back they fall, and they really almost need to keep on to this trajectory and, and pretty much put the put the season in the can and, and hope to finish as low as possible. I think that's the only positive outcome that could come out of it and try and, and draft another major star to, to put with Zion Williamson heading into next season. So so they are in, in an interesting spot now, aren't they? So you mentioned the fact that they're getting some minutes into Alexander Walker, which was, you know, the, the, there was a bit of a spruik on him heading into the season that this was going to be his breakout year. And you mentioned the shooting, which is nowhere near up to standard. He, as you said, 35% from, from the field and 26% from three. So, yes, he's getting the 31 minutes a game, but he's probably been shown up a little bit in that he's not quite ready to take up that take that next step that they were looking for. Uh, Kira Lewis Jr. as well was the other young guard that they were going to look to get some more minutes into. He showed some promise uh, in the back half of last year, but similar to Alexander Walker, he's struggling to shoot. Um, to put the ball in the basket at just a tick under 36% from the field. You know, they've got some other young guys that they were, they were certainly, you know, looking to take some steps. Jackson Hayes, who finished the, the year really promisingly last year and was probably touted as certainly, and from a fantasy perspective anyway, as one of those sleeper picks that could could take a, a bit of a step up this year. Well, he's only averaging the, the 12 minutes a game and shooting 46% from the field, which as a centre, obviously, you know, is, is well below par for, for a centre. So they are in, in an interesting spot with, with these young guys, probably not taking the step ups that they would have liked. Devontae Graham, their sort of key off, off, uh, off-season signing, not delivering as well. Valanciunas has been really good, probably arguably, you know, him and Brandon Ingram. Um, you could argue that Valanciunas has perhaps been their best player. You know, he's averaging almost 20 points a game and 14 rebounds. So, you know, he, he's brought to, to the to the group what they would have been looking for and also shooting the three ball at a pretty good clip, was, which is what they were, you know, he's only shooting at one and a half times a game, but they were looking to, to space the floor out a little bit more than Stephen Adams was you know, to open up the floor and help out Zion as much as possible. So what, what do you think is their best course of action, Caddy? Do, do you think they should do what you, you said and and maybe delay Zion even further, maybe not even seem to the new year, Get make sure he's not only healthy but actually in good condition as well before they bring him onto the court, pile up a few more losses 
and maybe even I'm not sure how it works with the, with the contract of Valentunas. Maybe maybe even test the trade waters and and get even more draft picks, and then as you said, get a really good draft pick there, and then just sort of rebuild um, for the next couple of years. I know that's probably not what Zion would like, but maybe that's the best course of action for them. I think it is. Yeah, I think you know at one and nine, it, it's clearly too far back to even be considering a run here in the West. Um, you know, we know how deep the Western Conference is, so you're just you're too far back. The the numbers from the team already are just so far below par of what you'd expect. You know, they're ranked 29th in defense. Net rating is 29th in, in the league as well. Yeah, there's clearly some significant issues um, at that end of the court, particularly the defensive end. And um, I think yeah, until Brandon Ingram comes back, you know, they're still going to be treading water. Even then, it's still nowhere near enough. There's not a great amount of depth on this roster, I don't think, either. As you mentioned, Jackson Hayes is a really interesting one for me. You know, it was a lottery pick uh, that they really traded back for, I think it was, at the time. And, you know, even without Zion Williamson, he still can't get, you know, um, consistent minutes either. So I think, yeah, there's only really one course of action here, and it's to, is to punt the season and, and really hope to finish as far down as they can. And, and with Zion, I think, um, yeah, you just got to get him fit, get him right, get him healthy because there's absolutely no point rushing him back and putting any further stress on um, clearly what's been a, um, an injured body over you know majority of his college and NBA career. So fingers crossed that you know he does come back because we all love watching him play and he had a terrific second season last year. There's no uh, doubt about that. I think he averaged the 27 points a game last season. So we really want to see him back on the court, but certainly not at the detriment for any long-term uh, further health when this, this team's clearly... Um, not going to be competitive. David Griffin, the team executive, has got to be under a huge amount of pressure now too, doesn't he? So he, all the moves he's made the last couple of seasons have basically been a failure. You know, he traded for Stephen Adams, re-signed him before he'd even played a game, had to trade him in the off-season. Did they attach a pick? I think they might have even attached a pick in that deal to bring in Valanchunas. So he re-signed Adams, had to attach a pick to get rid of him, decided not to re-sign Lonzo Ball, which confused pretty much everybody because he seemed like a really good matchup uh, with Zion, uh, decided to go down the path of, of Devontae Graham and Sadoransky, as we mentioned a bit earlier, which hasn't really helped, hasn't really come to fruition at all. And, you know, and let's not forget that he traded away Drew Holiday. I mean, how good of a... They've basically been trying to replace Drew Holiday since they traded him, and they could have just kept him, and they traded him to Milwaukee for a boatload of draft picks. But Milwaukee are going to be one of the best teams in the league for, the, for basically the duration because Giannis has signed long-term there. So basically they're just going to get a lot of late first-rounders, and they could have just held on to Drew Holiday instead. So pretty much every reign that David Griffin has pulled over the last couple of seasons has, has been a poor one, and he's got to be under a huge amount of pressure, doesn't he, to hold on to his job? Yeah, I think with that holiday one, I think he was probably working maybe under the assumption that Giannis wasn't going to sign him, re-sign him Milwaukee or it would have gone somewhere else because, yeah, those picks that they've got back are basically useless. Um, the the first rounders that they're going to come from Milwaukee in the next couple of years won't be, you know, obviously late first rounders and they've got pick swaps every other year, which uh, you can't see how they're going to con- convey. So, yeah, it was really a li- really little draft capital in the end, um, I think, from the Drew Holiday uh, trade and then yeah, Alonzo Ball clearly, you know, from an on-court chemistry point of view, you'd think it should should have been able to work with Zion and they'd have a hell of a lot of time to really try and get that right. So yeah, I don't know, it's, it's really feeling like very similar to the Anthony Davis years in New Orleans here that they could just draft a, you know, potentially once-in-a-generation type player and not really surround him with the, the right pieces and, you know, six or seven years later, the, the, the star player walks out the door 
But um, yeah, no, disappointing for the for the New Orleans Pelicans. But yeah, they really clearly need Brandon Ingram out there ASAP. I don't know even what his status is in terms of expectation of, of coming back anytime soon. But they really need him back in back into the lineup. Oh, they certainly do, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this coming off season. There'll no doubt be talk that you know if they finish the year off as poorly as they started it and. Uh, one of the worst teams in, in, in the league. There's going to be no doubt that this chatter about Zion potentially not signing his, his rookie extension and taking that qualifying offer and, and becoming a free agent. It's never happened before, but uh, there's been some talk about Zion potentially being the first guy to do that. Look, I doubt he would do that given his injury history, which has been pretty littered basically since he's walked into the NBA. It would be a, a big risk for him to to say no to that to that extension that he could sign. Um, and pass up the money. He's probably more likely to to re-sign it and then after a year basically demand a trade. So it will be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out and no doubt Griffin will be under a huge amount of pressure if they do finish the year off as slowly as they have started it. The other team Caddy will chat about in the West are the Portland Trailblazers. Now they had a nice win today against a struggling, it's fair to say, Los Angeles Lakers, which moves them up to 5-5. Five and five. So I guess probably a little bit below par uh, start to the season. The biggest story so far, no doubt, has been that the start and the struggling start, uh, fair to say, of Dame Lillard. Now, he had his best game of the season today. Uh, he had 25 points and only played the three quarters. So he, he got going a little bit from the field today. But, I mean, it's probably a bit of a sort of highlights, I guess, how slow the start to his season's been when you're talking about a 25-point outing being his best game of the season. You know, that's something that's usually probably even below his average of what he would usually put up. So heading in today, into today, into today's game, he was averaging just under 18 points a game, shooting 33% from the field and 21% from three. So this is just just a huge struggle from a guy that's considered, you know, he was, he was just recently named in, in the top 75 players of all time. And we've seen him year after year produce on the court for the Portland Trailblazers. I guess the the interesting thing f- from this slow start, it's come off the back of a what was a really poor showing in the Olympics from Damian Lillard. Now it was explained that he had an abdominal injury and that you know certainly hampered him during the Olympic campaign. But it's certainly interesting to see him roll into a slow start to the season off the back of that poor Olympic campaign. And it also came out during the week that there was a story that um, he met in LA with both LeBron and AD, and it was. He sort of said it wasn't a, a recruiting pitch as such, but, I mean, what else could a meeting between three superstars be construed as? So what, what have you seen so far out of Dame Lillard, Caddy? Um, no doubt it's been a bit of a surprise start to the season for him, but do you think, you know, hopefully today was the start of him getting his season going? Yeah, it was the, it was exactly what he needed, and it was basically a, a decimated Lakers side really at the end. Um, clearly no LeBron and then Davis um, sort of hit the locker room I think midway through the second quarter, so he wasn't out there, and, and they were basically playing reserves most of the way. The Lakers, so he had a chance to to sort of fill his bucket a, a fair bit today and and try and get his stroke going. I heard his post game interview, and yeah, I think he, that first three pointer he hit in the first twelve seconds of the game sort of you know got him feeling it a little bit again because as you mentioned, the shooting numbers for him have been um, just abnormally poor, um, so bad, twenty one percent from three uh, to start the season. It's just numbers you just wouldn't associate with a guy like Lillard. So, I mean, I had concerns, if you can remember, when we did the over-unders on Portland, I sort of thought that maybe... Yep, you went under, didn't you? Yeah, I went clear under. I just thought they were may have gone a year too long with this group and maybe should have blown it up. And I did have concerns if it was a slow start to the season that 
they might have potentially, you know, looked looked to you know things to to blow up, and and it might happen organically, um, as we saw the reports coming out in the last twenty four to forty eight hours with their general manager Neil O'Shea now being um, investigated, Robert Sarver's life yeah. in terms of workplace yep. um, harassment claims and and um, and poor behaviour. So that'll be O'Shea's been there. For- for a long time now, hasn't he? And was he at the Clippers even before that? He was at the Clippers, yeah. yeah. He was at the Clippers and then he's been in, in Portland probably for the best part of 10 years. So, yeah, really interesting, I think, the allegations. And the Blazers announced today that they were going to be um, hiring a, an outside law firm to basically conduct an independent review into the behaviour. So, yeah, they're going to have that hanging over them as well. Um, you know, this is the guy that's meant to be, you know, making all the moves uh, for this team. And, you know, it's going to be quite difficult for him to be doing that with a clear and open mind if he's going to be under investigation, in, you know, for the short term. So, yeah, I mean, the pressure's going to come on Chauncey Billups. I know you were really bullish on him becoming a, a head coach and, and and you felt, you know, quite confident around what he was going to bring to the table. But, you know, it's never pleasant when there's going to be expectation around a team being a playoff team and, and you know, starting the season slowly. I mean, they've been able to scrape it back to 500 now after 10 games. So I think, you know, it's not disastrous and the home record's really strong 5-1. and one. So, um, you know, if they can keep that win winning strike rate at home, they're going to be you know, carrying themselves a fair way. But yes, clearly Lillard's the key to this and he needs to start playing more consistent and getting that shot going because, as we know, he's, he's the main man there and, and CJ Collum as well as he started the season once again. He did the, the same thing last year. He's really is just the um, the Robin to, to Lillard as Batman. So they, they need to um, really get Lillard to, to lift and, and, and find it within himself to, to lead this team forward again. Well, as you said, I, I was pretty confident on them heading into the season. You know, I, I said that basically, you know, when they've been healthy for, for the previous sort of four or five seasons, they've been a sort of a high 40-win team. So that's that, that was what I was basing my confidence on. And I'm still clinging, Caddy, to the hope of that they might be able to get their act together. As you said, they've been able to get themselves to 500. And this is with, this is with Dame Lillard obviously playing well below his usual standards. So that, that's what I'm clinging to. As you mentioned, CJ started the year really well, shooting 40% from three. Norm Powell's chipping in, you know, do, doing what he usually does. He He's shooting the three ball at a really nice clip as well, uh, 43% from three. Um, Nurkic is the one, though, isn't he? He, he was the one that I said – when we spoke about them in the preseason, uh, that he was the one that was so key to them, and and more, and obviously from a defensive standpoint, more, more so than anything. And it's their defense early on that you know they were ranked twenty fifth heading into that into today's game defensively. So he's the one that can really lift them up, and and they've generally been a really good defensive, well not really good, but but a sort of an average to slightly above average defensive team when they've had Yusuf Nurkic in the lineup. So. I'm sort of hoping that that's going to, you know, they're going to find their feet in that in that department with Covington as well, and and they'll be able to, you know, slowly work their way into the season defensively. And Anthony Simons is the one that I mentioned as well when we spoke about them in the preseason. We've sort of heard about him over the last three or, you know, probably even two or three years. You know, he's going to take the step. He's going to take the step, and he hadn't been able to quite do it. But it looks like now he's probably starting to do that. He's averaging the 14 points a game shooting 49% from the field and 40% from three. So that, that's what you're looking for from that from that guard that, you know, when they come off the bench. So I am I am sort of still clinging to the hope that they might be able to sort of push up and sort of be able to make some noise, you know, as a playoff team. But you mentioned the fact that they, they could sort of organically look to make some trades. Do you think that they're still going to dip their toe in this Ben Simmons thing? It's not, it's not, not obviously going to be Damian Lillard that they look to trade, but could you see them still potentially looking at, trading CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons if they 
continue to just play around that 500 ball and their defence is struggling? Absolutely. I think that they should be looking to, to, to trade. And, you know, really after this long build that they've now had with this group in Portland, you know, I, I don't think they're a better team than they were last year or, or the year before. So it's probably now time to, to look to shake things up because it, it, I suppose it depends on the motivation of the franchise. Are they happy now, you know, maybe stepping back a little bit from those high 40 wins and being, you know, basically a 500 team? sitting at the bottom end of the of the playoff bracket or into the play-in kind of zone, or is it time just to either mix it up, um, head back down the you know back down the standings potentially, or or make look to make a trade just from a personnel point of view to freshen things up, and you know whether Ben Simmons is the is the the right piece or the right answer, who knows? And and but I think you know it's probably time to to make a make a swing and and just to change something up here in Portland because I don't think again, and, and I'll go back to. No, at the start of the year, I just don't think this is a championship-level team um, or a championship-level roster, whether Lillard's playing at his absolute optimum or not, because he's been there before, played at a terrific level, and they haven't been good enough. And I don't think they've added enough around him to to, to change that narrative. So I think... Um, Larry Nash you know, Jr. probably had... He was probably looked at as their big off-season key signing, but he probably he hasn't produced at that level they're hoping for really yet, has he? Uh, not a, not the box score numbers. You know, he, he brings a lot of energy and... Um, you know, bounces around out there on the court, and him and Cody Zeller aren't a bad sort of backup big man department, really. But um, yeah, only playing the was it the eighteen minutes a game and and four and four points, so yeah, not really delivering um, in the box score at this stage. And you know the the issue they've also got now is with that Larry Nance trade. If they you know if they do continue on and, and be you know just over five hundred team make the playoffs, well that pick's going to go to Chicago uh, anyway, so they will, they'll lose their first round pick. This season, if it if it's between fifteen and thirty, so um, there is a you know if they do progress um, and continue to improve a little bit, and you know, they're going to lose their first round pick as well. So I don't think that's ideal for them. And yeah, I, I think they should should look to to bust things up. And um, I'd actually be surprised if they don't. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the next probably ten to fifteen games goes, and if if uh, Lillard can get going and. Maybe they'll sort of ride it out, but if they don't, I, I agree. I think they'll look to, to to certainly test the waters with Philly and maybe bring in a Simmons and, and shake it up that way because, you know, Lillard's 31, McCollum's 30, Covington's 31. So if you, if you trade McCollum for a younger Simmons, I think Simmons is 25, so you, you're you getting younger and improving your defence as well. So I think it's certainly something worth considering from a Portland Trailblazers perspective if they do continue to play around that 500 mark for the next sort of 15-odd games. So, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that does pan out. We'll switch over now, Caddy, into the East, and we'll talk about uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons' team. So they've started the year really positively, considering the fact that Simmons obviously hasn't taken the quarters yet. So they've started eight and two. Look, they've had a pretty easy draw so far, it's fair to say. They've beaten New Orleans, OKC, Detroit, Atlanta, Portland, and Chicago. So it's not as if they're beating some of the, the best teams in the in the NBA, but you can only obviously beat who you're playing against. So they'd be more than happy with a start given the turmoil, I suppose, that they've had going on off court. And that's, you know, that's continued to happen this week. It had been a little bit quiet over the last week or two um, from a Ben Simmons perspective, but it came out, I think it was yesterday, uh, Woj announced that they were going to start finding uh, Ben Simmons again for, for games missed because he's he is turning up and sort of working with their physicians on and on his on what he's saying is a lower back injury, but he's he's basically you know uh, refusing to work with their team psychologists and 
and and tell them how, sort of how his mental health situation is going with the with the people that he's supposedly working with. So it's getting a little bit messy again, and they're starting to find Simmons again. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how or how all this uh, pans out over the next week or so. No doubt Ben Simmons will come back um, and retaliate after they've started finding him again because. I, I think everybody basically thinks the only reason Simmons turned up to to training camp was to stop him getting 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 fined. So let's see how he now responds to the fact that they're going to start refining him. But what's impressed you, Caddy, so far about the way the 76ers have started the season? Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of it all comes down to as we expected as expected to is with Joe Allen Bede, and I think he's clearly enjoying being the, the the number one star on this team and the only real star on this team. It certainly hasn't been of a detriment to him. Look, his numbers aren't probably even as big as they've been previously. He's averaging the 24 points and, and 10 rebounds. But, um, yeah, I think it's just he's taking more of a um, leadership role. And I think he, he now clearly knows he's the he's the one and only star in this lineup. And he's, he seems to be relishing it from that leadership um, point of view. So, you know, one of the stats that, that has jumped up for him is his assists. So um, he's averaging only five assists per 36 minutes, which is a well above a career average. And he's just taking more of a, a playmaking sort of role and directing type of role in this lineup as well. So that's really positive. And the other thing that, you know, it's been against the Philadelphia 76 is they've been crunched with um, COVID as well so far this season. So Tobias Harris has missed games. Um, Matisse Thibel's now in the COVID health and safety protocol. Um, so they haven't had it all their own way uh, from that point of view. So, yeah, to, to think that they've been able to start the season so positively, I think it's been a real positive for them. I don't think, you know, well, you could have forgiven them to start, come out started slowly, but to be first in the in the East at the moment with a 7-2 and two record, um, I think they'd be obviously thrilled about, considering they've also had key players in and out of the lineups at different times. So, um, yeah, lots of improvement so far that we've seen out of Tyrese Maxey. He's come in to that sort of starting point guard role and, um, we mentioned early, um, I think in the first week of the season, it just gives him a little bit more offensive punch for a guy that has the ball in his hands to be able to to make his own shot. So he's actually shot the ball really, really well, at 51% to start the season uh, from the field. So that's that's obviously outstanding. Seth, Seth Curry's shooting numbers are almost been historic <laughs> to, to start the season as well. He's shooting the three ball at uh, 53% and averaging nearly uh, 18 points a game. So he's he's come out of the gates fantastically well as um, also. Yeah, so they'd be they'd be really happy with where things are. I think Andre Drummond's been a been a, a quite a good pickup to play that backup role. Uh, we all obviously know there's some deficiencies in his game, but you know that when Embiid's off the court, at least you're going to get some solid minutes from Andre Drummond um, in that position. He had a massive court. game, didn't he? When when Embiid missed that one game and and uh, Drummond started, he I, I haven't got the the box score in front of me, but it was something like twenty points, seventeen rebounds, and about four or five blocks or something crazy. Yeah, so we know he's he's clearly capable of, of doing that when given the opportunity. So um, I think Ferk and Corkmas was the the man today who I actually picked up off the wire as a bit of a spec because he was savvy pickup. Well, he's a game time decision, but I thought he'd almost had to play once Dibble uh, went out as well with Harrison Green. So yeah, he I think he had the twenty five points and seven three pointers as well. So there is some depth in this lineup for Philly, and yeah, to think that they're seven and two on top of the East, yeah, it's, a, it's an outstanding outstanding effort. They've basically switched the way they played up last year. So with Embiid and Simmons, the biggest knock on playing those two together was a lack of spacing for for, for uh, Embiid to operate. So they're basically playing just four shooters now around Embiid, and we know Embiid can sort of space the floor as well. So last year they were 13th in offensive efficiency. This year they're first. 
So it's it's having a huge impact not having someone like Simmons, Simmons who is a non-shooter, sort of clogging the lane, basically taking up space. And as I said, Seth Curry's been on fire, shooting 50% from three. Tobias Harris had been shooting efficiently from the floor in the time he's been out there. Danny Green's doing his usual Danny Green uh, things, uh, shooting the three ball at a really nice clip. Corkmaz, as you mentioned, went off today. He's shooting the, the three ball at a high rate as well. So their offense is just absolutely absolutely humming now that they don't have Simmons out there. But it certainly had had a big impact on, on their defense. So they were ranked second in the league last year in defensive rating and then that now dropped right back to 17th. So it'll be interesting to see how this sort of pans out over the next sort of 10 games once we get a bigger, bigger sample size, if they can continue to be a really strong offensive team and their defense is sort of lagging a little bit behind as to what they produced last year. Bear in mind the fact that, you know, Joel Embiid's considered one of the the, the best defenders in, in the whole NBA. So he was strongly considered, a, you know, one of those guys that were going to be able to challenge Rudy Gobert to be a defensive player of the year. So maybe he can sort of pick it up a bit on the defensive end um, and, and they can sort of get that rating back to a top 10 and maybe the, the offensive rating maybe dries up a little bit. But from what you've seen so far, there was there was a huge question mark going into the season about what Philadelphia were going to be able to produce you know, given the fact that Simmons was probably not going to take the court and we didn't know what was going to happen as far as him getting traded. We both took the under on them pretty confidently. I certainly was, and it sounded like you were as well when we spoke to them. Now that we've got, obviously, 10 games into the season and they're 8-2 they're and two and first in the East, where do you sort of see them now fitting in the Eastern Conference playoff picture? Yeah, really interesting one. Like, I think, you know, they're still going to, be finding their way through this. But I think, you know, if this was the team that they've got as it currently stands, no Simmons, no trade, then, you know, I, I don't know that it's going to be enough when the whips are cracking uh, deep in the playoffs If when we assume, you know, Milwaukee are back fully fit and, and firing and the Miami Heat, as we've seen, are, you know, doing their thing and Brooklyn Nets, we assume, will continue to, to grow and develop throughout the season. So I don't think as it currently stands with the, the lineup, it, it is enough. But I think the elephant clearly in the room is, um, if Simmons is traded, and you know, even if it was for something as simple as McCollum coming in for Simmons, well, that's certainly going to be an upgrade uh, for the 76ers to bring a guy like that into the, this existing team. So I think there's obviously plenty of upside and upside and positive that can come out of uh, a Simmons trade. I don't think if he comes back, um, I think the synergy's not going to be there, and the and the teammanship and and that type of you know the type of vibe that you're going to need within a group to go all the way. But if, he, if the trade can happen and they can bring something in that's going to add to them, um, clearly this this season, which I'm, I'm sure which is what Daryl Morey is going to be trying to to pull off, then I think, you know, they, 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 they are going to be in the mix and they're going to be a championship-level contender providing Embiid continues to stay fit and healthy. So so talking about, we, we spoke about, you know, the Simmons trade from a, from a Portland Trailblazers perspective. What do you think is the best sort of, path for Philly to go down. Do you think it's as simple as bringing in a CJ McCollum? Now, he, he's certainly going to help them offensively, but not so much defensively. Or do you think they're better off uh, trading for two or three pieces and maybe some some draft picks going forward? Or what, what do you think the best sort of way for them to go forward with a Simmons trade is for one sort of uh, sort of star-level player or two two or three pieces and some draft picks? I think it's trying to find that star-level player still to, to put around Embiid, Tobias Harris. I think they've got some pretty significant depth already on this team. We know what Matisse Thibel is capable of. We've seen Tyrese Maxey improve 
um, Cork, as we've mentioned. Um, there's plenty of depth on this roster, and that can only be added to when we get to buyout markets and things like that um, and the trade deadline. So I think there's ways for this team to organically um, get some extra additional depth, but I think they still need to be able to capitalise on if they are the trade Simmons, they need to bring a, you know, a ready-made star back into this team to, to really cover them uh, for that for a deeper playoff run. Yeah, well, let's see what happens. I'd love to see Simmons get back out there on the court with him just to see how awkward it was for the for the first couple of games and you'd, you'd see him in timeouts and he'd be sitting at the back obviously not listening. So let's let's at least hope that there's sort of some resolution to this because it's dragged on for far too long and, you know, there's a spidey shortcomings. Ben Simmons, a way too good player just to be sitting on the sidelines you know, for, for something as stupid as this. So let's see what happens over the next sort of two, three, four weeks and hopefully this all gets sorted out and we get either a trade or Simmons uh, gets back on the court with the Philadelphia 76ers. The other team, Caddy, we're going to have a chat about from the Eastern Conference is the Atlanta Hawks. Now, they had a, a loss today to Phoenix, which drops them now to four and six. So that they were one of the spruit teams, I suppose, in the offseason. We obviously saw them make it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They you know, they knocked out the Knicks in the first round and maybe they had some luck along the way beating a Philadelphia team that basically self-imploded. So, But they started the year really promising. That, that first win against Dallas, we looked at it and we went, oh, well, we can see now where they're going to go. They're just, they're just such a dynamic team. They're so deep. But basically since that first game, it hasn't really fallen their way. And it was concerning for me anyway hearing – during the week, Trey Young came out and said that the regular season felt boring. Now, this is a team that have basically achieved nothing for for, a, for quite a while, basically since the Joe Johnson days. So they've been struggling for, for quite a few years now and they have one sort of deep playoff run, if you call, you know, a, an early uh, a, a thrashing, basically, in the Conference Finals, a deep playoff run. And their and youngest, one of the, well, their, their youngest star, a 23-year-old, is saying that he already feels like the the uh, regular season's boring, so that sort of raises that raises some alarms for me. H- how are you? How are you feeling about the Atlanta Hawks, Caddy? I can't remember if you took the over or under. I think you may have taken the under, but I, I was confident that they were going to take a big step up this year. I'm certainly starting to re reevaluate that now. What have you seen out of the Atlanta Hawks so far? Yeah, look, I, I thought going into the season that there was a bit of a Cinderella story around them last year with the way that the the playoffs kind of panned out. You know, they did such a good job to get into that 4-5 matchup and then get a favourable draw there against the Knicks. Um, you know, it was an outstanding effort to progress all the way through to, to those Eastern Conference finals. But I still thought that this 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 lineup and the roster, it still is a young and developing group that does have, you know, good veteran players around it. But I still thought that they weren't quite, quite there uh, where some of these other Eastern Conference powerhouse teams possibly were. So I was hoping to see just another year of development and build within the group and, and I didn't have hugely high expectations on them going into the season. That said, you know, I think they'd be clearly disappointed being four and six to start the season. You know, that that it's really only a game or two out outside the eighth seed at the moment. It, it's pretty bunched up um, in the you know that sort of four to not four to eight, four to nine range um, in the in the east at the moment. So they're not far that far back, and they're in this sort of weird group with Milwaukee and Boston as well, who are all trying to find their feet to start the season. So it's certainly not. For me, panic um, stations just yet, but I think you know clearly, you know comments like you had from Trey Young. I don't think that's really um, what we'd be looking for. I think they should be you know continuing to to relish the opportunity that they're getting to to play together and build a, a really strong young team. And it's been pleasing. I think for me, DeAndre Hunter's the guy that I've really enjoyed 
getting getting to watch and getting getting to know his game a little bit more again because he was the one we really missed or they missed um in the playoffs uh, last year. So he he's playing really well. He's shooting the ball well and clearly you know he's a high level defender. So you know Trey Young's the the one that's numbers are probably down a little bit to start the season just the twenty two points a game. Um, but you know I think you know guys like Cam Reddish came out of the blocks really well to start the season and his shooting sort of tailed off a little bit. Kevin Hurd is the one that I think hasn't really come on like I thought he would have uh, heading into the season. He's playing just the 20 minutes and averaging the six points a game. So that's, you know, a lot further down than what we saw him being capable of in the playoffs last year. So now look, I think there's enough on this roster for them to still be a playoff team. I just think, yeah, I, I didn't see them as a, as a championship level team heading into the season. I still don't see it at the moment. I just would like to see them, you know, dig in, you know, head down, bum up and, and really continue to build respect um, within the league and, and, and keep showing up night in, night out and, and finish as high as they can and, and hopefully, you know, get to a playoff round and, and potentially win a playoff round would be a, a good season for them, I think, again this season. So I canvassed when we spoke about them that, that they could be a sort of a stealth trade team. So when you look at their roster, do you think they potentially, as silly as it sounds, maybe got too many mouths to feed? So when you look at their their shot distribution, you mentioned the fact that Trey Young has started the season slowly, and, and I certainly know that given the fact that I took him with my first pick in our fantasy draft. So, you know, he's averaging the 23 points, almost 10 assists a game. So the raw numbers are pretty good, but his shooting percentages are low. Um, and he's just not getting to – he's been, I guess, one of these players that, similar to James Harden, has really suffered – suffered with the way the, the game has been interpreted. His free throws down almost three attempts a game. So given a guy, you know, who shoots the ball at a 90% clip from the free throw line, he's he, he's leaving a couple of points per game effectively on the table given that he's not getting those free throw attempts. But these guys here, so John Collins has got his lowest field goal, field goal attempt since his rookie year, despite the fact he's actually started the year pretty well from what I've seen of them. Um, and he's shooting almost a 60% clip from the field. So just not getting enough shots. Bogdanovich, career low in field goal attempts. Clint Capella, lowest field goal attempts in the last six seasons. Huerta, lowest field goal attempts in his career. Gallinari, lowest field goal attempts since his rookie season. So they've just got a lot of guys who basically uh, they're trying to share too many shots, I think, amongst too many, uh, amongst too many guys. Trey Young's attempting 20 field goals a game, which is almost double more than the next, which is John Collins at just under 11. So do you think, Caddy, they need to try and do a three-for-one trade or something and maybe bring in someone who's more a defensive-orientated guy and then give some more shots to, you know, a Collins and a Bogdanovich and and just maybe thin the rotation out and maybe they can just get a bit of mix because it just doesn't feel like they're they're clicking at the moment. Oh, look, that's that's terrific research that you've done there and and clearly pointed out that – you know, there is a potential problem there. But I think it might be a bit too early for them to kind of make that trade, particularly if they're going to have to give up, you know, any of the, the young um, players that they have drafted, so whether that be Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, Reddish or, or John Collins. I, I think, you know, if they could get something back for a Bogdanovich or try and move Gallinari on again, um, you know, whether there's any value with Solomon Hill or Lou Williams, those type of players to, to try and shorten the roster potentially. Because, yeah, you've got these guys all the way down, Gorgie, Dan, Lou Williams, Delon Wright, all averaging the 10, 11 minutes. You know, they're, they're sort of a rookie from last year, Nyeka Okongwu hasn't even taken the court either. So there's, there's a lot of mouth to feed, isn't there? Yeah, so there's, there's so, those sort of guys where those 10, 11 minutes um, probably aren't really necessary. And you, 
you look at you know, Cam Reddish, only the 22 minutes, Capella 28, DeAndre Hunter 29, Bogdanovich 29. So there's no reason those can't be in the 35, 36 minutes a night um, for all those players. And, yeah, I, I take the point that there's certainly a way to thin the roster. I just wouldn't want to be giving up any of those young players just yet um, to try and make that happen to fast track a result that I think, you know, that it's probably not within them anyway this season. I think, you know, they're still still building, still developing and waiting for one of these other young players to really pop um, and become the second star. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear what you're saying. But the, I guess they have to pay these guys at some stage too, don't they? They You know, Hunter and, and Reddish are going to be looking for extensions. I think potentially it will be at the end of this season. So whether they can pay them all or whether they want to package them up, maybe – you know, maybe they don't do it this season. They do it at the end of the season because you know you ran through there. They they they're playing twelve guys more than ten minutes a game. With I mean that's that's almost unheard of. And as I said, they've still got a Congo waiting in the wings there to play some backup center roles. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out for for the Atlanta Hawks over the next probably twenty odd games and whether they can get themselves back on track. It's defensively they're really struggling. Um, ranked 27th defensively. So they need to pick it up on the defensive end and they need to start figuring it out um, from an offensive perspective as well because they've just got far too much talent to be sort of floundering at a four and six start. Uh, we'll call it there, Caddy. So as I say uh, every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download this podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts yet and given us a five-star rating, please do so. That would be much appreciated. We've also got the Facebook page going, so if you can jump on there and like that and maybe even share that amongst some of your friends, that would be also much appreciated. Until next week, we'll talk to you then.